Hi, I'm Peter Mullen from Mullen Natural Health Centre. Have you ever thought about coming to see a naturopath but weren't sure if we could help? Why not try our free 15-minute phone consultations? Call 4961 4075 or go to mullenhealth.com.au for details. Yeah, we've got naturopath Peter Mullen here with us today. We're talking about the risk of type 2 diabetes. Yeah, Dave. Last last time we were talking about um, diabetes, and diabetes is you know one of the fastest growing health epidemics, and it's tied in or closely associated. Type two diabetes is closely associated with you know increase in in weight and obesity, uh, lack of exercise, um, familial history for sure. But um, one of the big reasons why you know we're having such weight issues coming up in this country, and you know even amongst our kids, is the amount of um, simple and refined and even complex carbohydrates that we eat as part of our diet. Mm. So, you know, we've talked about this numerous times, but basically carbohydrates get broken down to glucose and what doesn't get burnt for fuel gets stored as fat. In When I was in practice um, 25 years ago, I think I mentioned this last week, but <clears throat> the only people I ever saw that had a fatty liver were people that had a an alcoholic alcohol problem. Now I see fatty livers in young people, old people, skinny people, overweight people. So it's called um, NAFLD, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And the suspected or the cause of it is to do with, one of the causes is to do with insulin resistance and this excess carbohydrate consumption. So interestingly, biochemistry-wise, like our bloodstream should only ever hold about a teaspoon and a half of glucose at any one time. Mm-hmm. So you imagine if you go and have, you know, a sweet snack or a, a soft drink. Like soft drinks and commercial fruit juices are probably one of the worst foods in the world for people just to have unconsciously without just thinking, I need a drink, I'm thirsty, I'll go and get a soft drink. Yeah, yep. You know, so I always recommend to um so yes, it's a sugar a sugar should never hold more than a teaspoon and a half, but if you have a can of soft drink, that's a whack of like twelve extra teaspoons of sugar straight away. So if there's an excessive amount in the body, how does the body cope? Well, the body copes for a long time and the pancreas produces more and more insulin. The cells develop more and more insulin receptors until that whole system starts to fail. And that's when, so initially the body just works harder. You know, so say for instance, if, if, if you know, the worst food for kids is a, is a sugary breakfast cereal and milk. Because what happens, the sugar gets into their system, they get a, a sugar hit, their pancreas reacts, produces insulin, grabs hold of the sugar, puts it into the muscle cells where it's burnt for fuel in the mitochondria. Blood sugar levels come down, but then if the pancreas is overreacted because the sugar was too high, then the blood sugar levels can drop. And that's where kids mid-morning are going to be starving or can't mm. concentrate or fuzzy-headed. I had a lady come to see me probably about a month ago. This was, this was really interesting. And she came in and she'd been you know trying to lose weight for quite a while and we went through a diet and I said what do, what do you have for breakfast and she said well I have um, cornflakes um, skim milk and a banana but I don't have any sugar so when we actually looked at um, how that converted to glucose in the body her the glycemic index of cornflakes is like 80 straight glucose is 100 so when you're having cornflakes you're literally eating glucose mm-hmm. banana has a high glycemic index and she said but by lunchtime by mid-morning she said i'm absolutely starving and the reason is when you have that sort of th- food for breakfast your blood sugars levels shoot up pancreas overreacts blood sugar levels drop 
but then they get too low and that's where people say you know mid morning they've got to have something to eat yeah. they've got to have a muffin or you know something like that so we've changed her diet around a little bit at the moment i've got her having two poached eggs some um wilted you know baby spinach all you do is just chuck it in the pan and some grilled mushroom and a little bit of tomato if she wants it and she's fine with the two eggs and and the vegetables her blood she's staying full now till lunchtime so her blood sugar staying more consistent yeah. she's not getting this up and up that's and good. down yeah that's good so it's that excess um carbohydrate sugar consumption where our blood sugar levels going up and down pancreas is getting stressed um, triggering major inflammatory response in the body, that's what eventually causes the receptors to fail, the pancreas to start to have to work harder and harder and produce more and more insulin, and that's insulin resistance. And then eventually the sugar levels start to go up because the in- insulin stops working or the pancreas can't produce as much insulin as it needs. Now, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're talking about a new testing machine. Yeah, a new testing machine and a great test, the, like the, the whole... Whole thing with with diabetes, the the way to approach it is, it's one of those conditions where prevention is absolutely better than what is it? Prevention is better than cure. I knew there was a saying there somewhere. Okay. We're continuing to talk about type two diabetes today, and I wanted to mention because just before the break there, we mentioned about a new testing. There is. Can you tell us a little bit further? Let's discuss some details about this new testing and this pathology. Well, it's a it's a pathology test that's actually been out for a while, but. From um, what I've come across recently, previously it's called a HbA1c, and previously this test was only approved through Medicare if someone actually was diagnosed with diabetes. Now apparently uh, people can have access to this test once a, once a year. So it's a really good preventative screening tool. Um, most times when you go to the GP and you want to get your sugar tested or your glucose tested, they'll do hopefully a fasting blood test, and they'll just take a pinprick and they'll just measure where your glucose is at. But unfortunately, that only just tells us how you're traveling at that exact time. A HB, so so often what they'll do is um, if, say, you went to the doctors and your blood sugar was, say, higher than 6, maybe 6.5 or 7, and it was a fasting test, then they might send you to have a glucose tolerance test, which is a two-hour test. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, a more efficient way to do it is to do this test called a HbA1c. So... With HbA1c, it's a blood test, and it will actually give you an indication over a three-month period Mm -hmm. of how much carbohydrate you've eaten and how well your pancreas and insulin has worked to get that glucose out of the bloodstream. So it sort of gives you more of an overview of the three months, whether you're traveling a bit high or And you only have to have the test once? Um, Well, it's one of those tests that if if you were really good, like I think every couple of years it's a worthwhile test to keep on top of because as soon as you see that number start to go up, you know that you're starting to struggle with you. You've got to be even tighter with your carbohydrate. Now, interestingly, the current diet, you know, recommended diet for diabetes is all based around we need to give you insulin, so we need to give you this much carbohydrate as well. A lot of a lot more people are finding success with actually if they reduce their being very careful. Obviously, you know, not making dietary recommendations over the phone if somebody's diabetic, and this is definitely not for type one diabetics. But um, reducing for a lot of lot of type two diabetes that aren't on a lot of medication, starting to reduce their carbs will actually start to give them a much better result. Um, but again, if anyone needs help, they're better off to go and see a qualified naturopath or nutritionist and get get some help sorting this out.
Can the HbA1c test reveal any other information? Well, that's an inter- that's a good question, Dave. Um, so initially, that's what I'm here for <laughs> you are on the ball, actually. Um, so um, yeah, the HbA1c is so the, the first and foremost, it's looking at um, glucose sticking to hemoglobin, and because red blood cells last 120 days, that's why we have this window of a three-month view. Um, but there's growing research, particularly in Canada, that the HbA1c also may be a good marker for um, progressive cardiovascular disease. So at the moment, what I mean by that is, so at the moment with HbA1c, less than six is considered okay. Six to seven uh, intermediate pre-diabetes, seven plus diabetes. So, but interesting research is suggesting that, like I like a HbA1c to be between four and five. I think that Mm -hmm. would be perfect. That to me is really saying that you're definitely not headed down that pathway. So this is where this test can be used as a preventative measure. Yeah. Four to five is awesome. There's some research or evidence that even at 5.5, now 5.5 is in the range of six to five to six where they say you're still okay. But some evidence even suggests that at 5.5, there could be some early stages of cardiovascular change. So as well as a marker for prediabetes or diabetes may also be a marker for cardiovascular disease. So okay. it's an interesting interesting new stuff coming Great to light test. about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so from a preventative point of view, remember sometimes we all need that kick up the backside and sometimes getting tested, getting the right test done for you to really – because these things are associated – like diabetes is associated with depression, cardiovascular disease. Alzheimer's is being called type 3 diabetes. There's a blood sugar involvement in Alzheimer's. So a lot of the progressive chronic degenerative illnesses, cancer, you know, there's a link between insulin resistance, breast cancer, and prostate cancer. So that's why pulling that all back together, all of these chronic diseases that are all growing massively out of control, this is a really simple test that might actually see where you're up to in the funnel and be that just that motivation you need to start to make those changes now. And a, a quick one here. This is quite exciting. I'm looking forward to this. Tell me about the Q&A session that you're doing, a live Q&A session coming up. Well, Dave, we thought we'd have a bit of fun next Tuesday when I come in, and we'll do um, a live question and answer on gut health. So I'll come in with a bit of um, background information about gut just to get the ball rolling. But what we're asking is anyone out there that has gut health issues or has a friend or family member to let them know. So in this space while I'm here, people are welcome to ring up and you know ask me any questions about gut health. Okay, that one's and happening I'll do next my best, week. Do yeah. my best to answer them. The live Q and A session. You can be part of it, as as uh, Peter said. There, if you have a friend, or maybe you have uh, some gut issues yourself. Or if you want to ask for a friend of a yeah. friend, you know, digestive issues can be one of those areas that you know. I've got a friend that has yeah chronic constipation. Yep, that'll be good. We'll do that. That's going to be happening next Tuesday from midday. We're continuing to discuss today type two diabetes. We've been discussing uh, this new testing, which is the HbA one C, and gee, it can reveal some great information, can't it? Yeah, look, it is, David. It's not, not, not that new. It's been around for a few years, but it's new applications of, of a test, like the fact that people can have greater access to it now, that you know they can have it. You can have a HbA1c at least done once a year, and the fact that they're starting to link it or look at it in regards to cardiovascular risk as well is a you know, big step forward. Um, so as I said, you know, prevention's much better than cure, and you know, more and more carbohydrates and insulin and blood sugar seem to be really common threads in a lot of chronic degenerative debilitating 
life-shortening diseases. So it's as simple as, like getting down to simple terms, it's as simple as just reducing the amount of carbs and sugar in your diet. Like you don't have to cut carbs out, but just be a lot more conscious of where the carbs are. So I think I mentioned last week as well, but like the ideal carbs for us humans really are vegetables, salad, and two to three pieces of fruit a day. Do you think, because you just touched on a term there, fasting, do you think fasting should play a role in our seven-day eating cycle? Well, actually, that, that fasting, more and more fasting's come to light as actually being really beneficial. And um, a lot of, a lot of uh, or any time anytime we eat, it actually triggers an inflammatory response. The body responds to food and digesting food. As it triggers an inflammatory response. So every time we eat, you know, it, it, it ages us. You know, it takes a lot of energy to digest food. So, mm. you know, there's, there's, there was a, a, an old study quite a long time ago, and it, it's the only study ever to show to increase the lifespan of a species, and that was calorie restriction. And they had these two families of rats or mice. One lot of rats had food in the cage all the time, like, you know, you would with your guinea pigs. The other lot of rats were fed, you know, something a percentage less calorie every day. Those rats lived longer. Oh, so we actually do, you know, the only way to increase our lifespan is to eat less food. But I'm I'm a bit of a fan of, you know, at least fasting for 12 hours a day because, you know, so ideally you want to finish your dinner by 7 o'clock of a night yeah, time yeah. and you don't want to eat for at least another 12 hours till 7 o'clock the next morning. Mm. Um, one of my um, girls, one of our naturopaths at work, she has a fast day every Monday. She'll have juices, vegetable juices. She won't just have water, but she'll just give her body and her digestive system a really good rest. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I think... Um, is that also assisting in flushing the system? Well, the when the body's energy is not taken up digesting food, it's got a lot more energy to do its housekeeping and detoxing and tidying up. So, yeah. So in, in regards to diabetes, like... It's interesting. Like, one of the biggest causes or biggest challenges with us in the Western world is not, you know... It's not always, it is what we eat, but it's not always what we eat. It's the amount that we have. Mm. You know, we all tend to overeat for what we really need to be doing. So, you know, even it can be simple, like reducing your risk of diabetes can be as simple as serve your, your evening meal up on a slightly smaller size plate. You know, always try and leave a bit of food on your plate. Like mm. try and get used to eating a smaller quantity of food and the food we have will be processed far more. Okay, as always, I love it when we visit mullenhealth.com.au because you usually have some blogs there. Do you have a blog organized on what we've been talking about we today? We do. We have a, a couple of good blogs on um, diabetes and blood sugar management with some, um, I think there's some links to recipes as well, so people are more than welcome to get on. And details on your Facebook site too? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And looking forward to next week. That's going to be quite exciting, the live Q&A session here from midday. Yeah, so we need people to um, yeah get a bit excited about it and you know, if you know someone or you yourself has some gut issues and you want, you know, some advice, give us a call. Peter, thank you again, as always, for today. My pleasure, David. It's Health and Wellbeing. Peter Mullen, our naturopath, back with us next Tuesday here at 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.